weekend racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is The Magic Mike Show, episode 372, Mr. Samich. Kentucky Derby is out! Let's go, Let's baby. Go. I'm so excited. It is going to be Kentucky <laughs> Derby. It's been Kentucky Derby fever uh, for over a week at the Racing Dudes team and on their YouTube channel. Thank you so much for joining us here on May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day to you, Mr. Samich. Before we get into the Kentucky Derby action and the All Stakes All Dirt Pick 5, did you see the Obi-Wan trailer this morning? And how excited are you for that show? Dude, I've not. I haven't even seen the Moon Knight finale yet. I'm not even starting with that stuff. I got to, maybe I'll watch It's it. Kentucky Derby time. I'm completely yeah. kidding. Come on, man. Maybe maybe I'll watch it on the drive to Kentucky tomorrow. We'll see. But <laughs> no, uh, man, I haven't done. I've done nothing but horse racing for the last week and a half solid, and it's been absolutely phenomenal. That's not true. I watched the Blues dominate the Wild in Game One, and I will watch the Blues dominate the Wild in Game Two tonight. Other than that, it's pretty much just horse racing, right? We got to get through the end of tomorrow's card, get the tickets up for that for the Sama Bombs. Friday card we're already done with. Saturday card we're already done with. So now we just need to start running some damn races, baby. Hey, we are casting on Chris Miles TV. Chris, I, I love it. Bleh, there we go. Yeah. The 3D style at you. Uh, Charles, thank you for the nice comment. Charles says, hello, dudes. Really like this show. Best on YouTube. Hands down entertainment at its best. Listen, that's, we try to give out winners, but we try to have fun doing it. And we really try to get a nice balance there. Uh, we definitely have fun. Not always giving winners, but... Speaking of winners, Mike, we have a big show. We've got the Saturday All Stakes, All Dirt Pick 5 at Churchill Downs. It's five races that aren't in order the way they were carded, but we're going to go. Uh, I guess the Derby press release had them different. We're going to go in order, so it starts with race six. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, Mike, just tell the folks real quick, if they're not familiar with this sequence, what it is and why we chose to do this one. Yeah, we're, we're big fans about low takeout here. Um, and, and specifically, this this sequence has a 15% takeout on a pick five and a 50 cent denomination. So it allows you to spread a little bit more. They've got some couple gimmicky pick threes that are $3. They have 22% takeout that just aren't as good of bets here as the, the all stakes dirt pick five here. You've got the Kentucky Derby to end the sequence. I know we both have bigger opinions there. We spent so much time on that race. Neither of us feel like we need to go that deep there, which allows it to really set up here. I think we both think there is a terrible favorite in the Pat Day Mile. That makes this sequence really attractive to us. So all around, you've got big fields in here. You've got a, at least one, maybe two weaker favorites in, in both of our minds. And you've got that 15% takeout, which, which makes it one of the better bets of the whole weekend. I think you're going to get a really good pool for it. I think you're going to be able to spread in certain spots, go skinnier in certain spots, and still go price on it. Without further ado, Mike, let's get into it. Riders up! You know, Mike, there's only one time a year where that fits, and it fits right here. I love it. Uh, that <laughs> was really great name. to see. <laughs> Steve the Bugler, not Sam. Steve the Bugler. Uh, we're going to pull this off there. See a little bit better. Kicking off Saturday's All Stakes, All Dirt Pick 5 at Churchill Downs. Race 6, this is the inaugural Nick's Go Stakes. How awesome that they named the stakes after him. 
so quickly here. Uh, this overnight has a field of 12 older males going a one-turn mile. Uh, your favorite here is going to be Shared Sense. At th I'm sorry, it's actually Dream Shake at five to two. Shared Sense is just behind him at three to one. Where'd you go on top? You know, I, I didn't get too crazy in this spot. Um, I think Share Sense is, is the logical top pick in here coming out of the two posts. That last race was absolutely monstrous at fairgrounds. The horse is two for four at the distance. Likes Churchill Downs, one win over four starts. Uh, this horse has just gotten better and better and better with each start. Uh, the one issue is the horse doesn't seem to like to win all the time, but now we're six for 17 lifetime and we found the wire this last time out. I'm not as worried about that. You've kind of seen some breaks or gaps in those wins. Um, a little bit of step up in class here, but not too much since we're jumping to a restricted stakes. And specifically, the restriction here is that if they've not won a graded stakes, which lowers the level of, of competition quite a bit here because you don't have any graded stakes winners in this spot. I think share sense makes a ton of sense. I think you're going to get a nice pace set up. I think the one turn mile hits share sense right between the eyes. So I'm going to go with a two horse share sense on top. That's my only must use in this race. I agree with you with the top pick here, and um, I, I love the fact that other than that mishap two back, which it seems to be fine, right, because it, he was vanned off, but then he comes back in March and he wins by two lengths. Um, other than that, he was trending upwards, so like all systems seem to be go. This is a horse that, uh, you know, they, they had some derby fever when he was three, as you do with a horse of, of this kind of caliber, and just took him some time to grow into his body, but he's coming along, so I'm with you on this one. Uh, did we agree on another one? I think that we did. We I'm did. We agreed on two more. Let's talk about the other one. Number seven, South Bend. Uh, Bill Mothorse, second off the layoff, eight to one morning line price here. And Mike, this is exciting for both of us because the horse that every time he's at two turns, we're like, stop running this horse at two turns. He's not a two turn <laughs> horse. He's back at a one turn race again. Like I said, second off the bench, second start at age five. You have to wonder a little bit that race last out. Was it the slop that cost him? And we are expecting a pretty, pretty boggy track uh, on Saturday, at least a little bit in the morning. Was it that? Was it did he just break poorly? Was did it just was he rusty? It was five months between races there. So I'm going to use him. Rosario rode him three back, and he won over this course and distance. It was optional claimers and five horses, but you know the horse can handle the trip and distance. Rosario riding tells me yes, we're going to use this horse in the ticket. Yeah, I mean, Rosario up is obviously the key. I think that Keeneland race is just one you needed. Look, it's, it's really tough to come off a layoff as a horse that doesn't have a ton of tactical speed and watch them go 22-44 in front of you and then try and chase them down in the lane going seven furlongs over a Keeneland track where it wasn't super easy to close over that day. So uh, in my mind, that race track was a little bit against him. You kind of needed the race there. I like the fact that Rosario picks up the mount here for Mott. Mott uh, is 23% second off this type of layoff. So I like the fact that you should expect some improvement here. Also a five-year-old, uh, you know, that, that you have the logical improvement angle there second off the layoff. You've got some older horses in here. Um, I think that, honestly, this is one of the few in this spot where I could see a big jump forward. And I like the price at 8-1 to one as well. Gary Barber doesn't mess around when he's placing horses like this. You've got the races that back that fit. I mean, it just it makes a lot of sense that you can see southbound jump up here. And I do think there's enough speed to set it up for a horse that's not you know, super quick out of the blocks. Uh, a horse that uh, can be quick out of the blocks is the third one that you're using. That is the favorite dream shake five to two. Uh, I am, I'm taking a stand against him, but uh, I'll hold off on that because it's not a, it's not a huge reason. Mike, talk to us about dream shake. Yeah. I mean, this is about as far as I want dream shake going uh, this one turn right. mile. 
but you look back and you see that Pat Day mile, man. And that, that race was by far my, in my mind, his most impressive race. Yeah. He had a better numbers as his, uh, as a ma- as maiden breaking score first time out, but that seems a little inflated now when you look back at it. Uh, Jackie's Warrior won the Pat Day Mile last year. was absolutely phenomenal going wire to wire, and Dreamshake just couldn't run her down, run him down. Um, Dreamshake got a ninety one. Man, Jackie's Warrior, dude. I'm gonna yeah. It, it's gonna be uh, a show for you, buddy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you have you have Dreamshake who ran really well in that spot. Uh, they chased chased a twenty one and three, forty three and three opening uh, half mile, and just missed to Jackie's warrior. Uh, I, I feel like this, this one turn configuration is good. And again, looked really good at Keeneland going six furlongs. And then bag boss just came back to win over the Churchill track, literally 10 minutes before we came on the show here, looked awesome as well, <laughs> wiring the field. So that race can, can just got improved or took a step up. We get second off the layoff, second out as a four-year-old. Erton hasn't been messing around when he sent these horses toward, toward the East Coast right now. I think Dream Shakes can be all systems go. I, I wish we got a little better price. I don't love the five to two. But I have opinions later that I don't want to not get out of this leg because Dream Shake wins. That's funny. I have a, that same opinion about a different race. Um, I, so I didn't use him. The price, uh, shared sense being my top pick, um, was part of it. I think that uh, – <laughs> listen, I know. I've got, actually got Pratt Daddy with a, with a frowny face in my notes here, I promise you. Um, you made great points about him. I actually think the one-turn mile might be too long for him. But definitely he is a one-turn horse, and he's in the right spot for it. Um, he struggled when he's going two turns. I just, I, I had to take a stand between him or shared sense. And I like the shared sense is cutting back. Whereas we're asking dream shake to keep stretching out when in the past dream shake stretching out to two turns was a bad move. Now we're going a one turn mile. So, um, that Pat day mile effort, uh, where he almost beat Jackie's warrior had me, but I'm, I'm going to rely on that hopefully being an anomaly, but you make all great points. Pratt's riding and sending this horse uh, w- with intention to win. So uh, don't knock you for that one. Um, the horse that I did use ended up going with uh, for my third choice is I actually got to scroll down a little bit. Mike, the Kentucky Derby day, it's all about first, right? First time playing Kentucky Derby. We had a, a woman earlier in our chat who was going to bet the Kentucky Derby for the first time. For the first time in his 22-start career, I am going to play Necker Island on a ticket here. This horse loves Churchill Downs. He's 5-for-9 lifetime here, 2-for-2 two two at this one-turn mile setup, including once in the slop. Um, he has won both of his starts on wet tracks, so assuming we get a boggy track, he's going to be there. But go back and watch this horse's last four starts. F- forget the win, because he looked good doing that. Those other three... Trip trouble up the ass. Uh, traffic issues. One of them was a sprint. So as soon as he got stopped, well, there went all shot. The other yep. two races going at Oaklawn was a mile going two turns. But at Oaklawn, a, a two-turn mile, you stop at the 16th pole. So, again, if you're getting stopped because of traffic problems, there goes all shot. Churchill, you've got a wide backstretch. You've got a long run down that backstretch of that turn. You've got a wide turn. You've got a long stretch. It's going to be so much easier for this horse to if slash when he gets into trouble – Maybe he can avoid it a little bit better. It won't cost him as much. I think the price at six to one is going to float up a little bit because I think, forgive the pun, I think that form is pretty muddy right now. And I think you've got horses like Shared Sense, like Dream Shake. They're going to take a lot of money. I think there's some actually going to be some value here. So I'm going to use Necker Island. I don't hate it. Um, I couldn't go deep enough here if I wanted. I couldn't go that deep to get to Necker Island if I was wanting to go as deep as I do uh, in the specifically in the next race in the Pat Day Mile. I'm using six horses there, which which kind of limited my options. <laughs> 
after that. Yeah. Um, I, I, Injunction, the eight horse, and Necker Island, the 11, were the two others that I thought were really interesting. Injunction should make the lead. If you go back to the pace mm-hmm. numbers that, that the eight horse Injunction had, uh, three and four back, that's good enough to get to the lead in this field. Was able to wire a field going a mile at Churchill over a good track. So has that there. We're getting third off the layoff. Third out as a four-year-old. Jose Ortiz picks up the ride. I think 15 to one on Injunction is interesting. And yeah, then the 11, Necker Island, you brought up great points. Uh, the horses had trouble in three of the last four starts. The other one was a victory. My issue with Necker Island and why I didn't why he didn't end up on the ticket was specifically because just kind of flat efforts, right? You're not seeing any real improvement from from any race to race. So you kind of know what the ceiling is. I feel like with with Necker Island, I, I don't see a logical reason he's going to take a big jump forward. And I do think he needs to improve to win the race. And so if I feel like I know what his ceiling is, unless other horses really regress, I think it's going to be tough for him to win. One other horse I wanted to bring up here is uh, Frosted Grace, the nine horse. Uh, a friend of mine owns uh, Frosted Grace. Love this horse. Uh, the horse loves the bull ring, and so it's it's a reason why uh, it, he showed a Delta Downs his last two starts. The bull ring, by that I mean it's it's a much smaller track and you're, it's a lot tighter turns. It's the opposite of what he's going to see at Churchill Downs, and I think that this really just came up as too tough of a spot for him. Um, you know, do you think with this being an ungraded stakes race? you know, on, on the Derby day undercard. Hey, maybe that's a good spot. Uh, yeah, I think this is just too tough for him. I love the horse. I love the owner, obviously just not for me. What about you, Mike? I'm afraid that like a horse that wants to be more forwardly placed, paced, blah, wants to be more forwardly placed is going to face a lot faster fractions than, than Frost and Grace has seen in the past. If you look at those last two at Delta talking 47.1 and 48.2 opening miles. We're going to go 46 and change here, maybe 45 and or high 45. So it's going to be a much quicker pace up front. The question is, can Frosted Grace stay as close to that pace and then still have that kick turning for home? I, I kind of lean toward no. Um, but again, that 15 to 1 price, I wouldn't talk you off a 15 to 1 shot, especially if I think it's going to float up. Probably getting 20 to 25 to 1 on race day. So if you like Frosted Grace, I get why you'd want to play it. But uh, that that one's just not for me. Second leg of Saturday's all stakes, all dirt pick five at Churchill Downs. We don't have to go too far, Mike. Race seven, this is the grade two Pat Day Mile, another one-turn main track event with a dozen boys. This time, they're all three-year-olds, and most of them we're pretty familiar with. They failed at some point along the Kentucky Derby Trail, or in Jack Christopher's case, never even got a chance to try. Uh, he is the two-to-one favorite here for uh, from post five. He's undefeated in two starts. That Champagne Stakes victory uh, last year had everybody hyped on him and thought maybe he could win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile misses the juvenile misses everything up until now hell of a place for you to return as a three-year-old isn't it yeah i mean this this race it's really do you trust jack christopher or not and part of that question then becomes do you trust the number that that the champagne brought back or not because that's a big question here right uh, obviously the debut was very good Horse went fast early, was able to, to kind of kick on and click clear, kick clear and get a big 92 buyer. Comes back in the champagne and get this outrageous 102 buyer for running a 136 one-turn mile. Um, now, with the way Japan performance has come back, I just I want no part of Jack Christopher. I just I feel like this is just not the spot to bet him. I, I think the two to one is probably correct. You might even see a little lower than that, which to me is is wild. Look, from a numbers perspective, this horse is a, a standout. And so you're really left with two options. Do you single Jack Christopher here or do you chuck Jack Christopher here? And when I'm looking at those two options and I see a two to one horse at 12 horse field with abundance of speed that hasn't been seen for a long time that we've gotten sketchy reports about that. I don't trust the number in the last that's going to get people to bet it. I'm going to chuck out Jack Christopher. So I'm going to start with the rail and I'm going to go with major general on top here. 
Um, I think that the one horse can be able to sit a pretty practical trip, doesn't necessarily need the lead. The, that race, the Iroquois at Churchill last year specifically catches my eye. Uh, we're, we were able to stock a 23 and 4, 47 and 4 opening half mile, sit in fifth, and then make a move around the turn. That's exactly what I'm looking for here as well. Uh, I like the fact that we had a nice progression from the Tampa Bay Derby, where this horse just had absolutely no chance after the start. Uh, then dueled at, the, at, at Keeneland and the Lexington, and Tawny Port just flew on by. No one else really stayed up that was on the pace. So for my like, I, I like it when a horse like that is able to kind of stay forward and push the pace and everyone else backed up. So, um, yeah, for me, I'm going to go with the one major general on top. And then my other must use, let's just go bombs away. Uh, I'm going to go to the 12th post. I'm going to go with O Captain coming in from Florida, baby. Uh, horses 20 to 1 on the morning line. And I think this race just sets up for a collapse. I don't think O Captain wanted any part of a mile and 16th or a mile and an eighth. I think this is a one turn horse. You go back to those first two races, uh, got a 59 buyer to win our maiden, and then jumped up to a 71 first off the layoff as we got early into the three year old season. Ran an 88, so a nice improvement, stepping up to a mile and 16th, and ran third behind simplification and in, in, in due time. Then comes back in the Florida Derby and actually runs pretty well. Uh, is is up close to that early pace, which was pretty swift, only four lengths back. Yes, and six, but only four lengths back, five lengths back, but 110, uh, three quarters. And then able to close. Rosario found this horse good enough to ride. Now you're getting Gaffleon. I like the outside post here because you can have a ton of speed to the inside. If this thing collapses, I think O Captain is the horse that can pick up the pieces, a la Funny Duck, like that style of win, right? And I think this horse is better around one turn. I'm getting a killer price at 20 to 1. Listen, but ever since Funny Duck won this in 2018, I'm not going to tell anybody not to play a long shot in this race. Um, <laughs> o Captain isn't for me, but. Uh, again, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. He will definitely be coming late. My concern with him is that that third in the fountain of the U.S. stakes came because half the over half the field got taken out. He was well behind everybody when the accident happened in the far turn. And most of the jockeys stopped riding who were part of that and, and were still on their horses. So uh, I felt that the third was, okay, you were the best of the horses that still had some interest after that accident. But he definitely has the running style that if you think this is going to fall apart and a lot of horses are going to come back, which we've got a lot of horses that are trying this, this distance or this kind of setup for the first time, Mike, he's definitely fit enough. He's going to come running. So, again, I'm not going to talk you off of it. He's just not for me. I did use Major General. My one big concern with him and why he wasn't a must-use for me the the rail with all that kickback that he's going to get the breeding says he should handle running on the slot but getting it thrown in his face from 11 not 11 horses going all 11 will be in front of him but there'll be a lot of horses that'll get in front of him if he doesn't get the lead and i think jack christopher will do i use jack christopher this is the one time i will go again not one time because I, I do it sometimes there's gonna be the time where i use him and still spread and i everything that you said makes sense from a long-term perspective right if you're looking at your full year your roi you know day by day year over year you you've got to play the way mike has been telling you to do this you either single or go very short with jack christopher here or you completely chuck and spread i just have no idea what to do with him and if the track gets muddy he's by munnings that's only theoretically going to help him but you named it the horses that he beat in the champagne command performance wit my prankster gunite kavad two of those are in this race I'm not using either one of those horses. Nobody from that group today on May 4th makes you go, yeah, that's exciting. So with Jack Christopher, it's you've got some question marks. 
My top pick, and I have seen him thrown around in the chat a little bit. I'm going with Papa Cap, the number three horse. I'm going to have to scroll back up a little bit. Um, I'm getting six to one on a horse that I'll, everybody who thought I was crazy for not playing Flavin Pratt, don't worry. I got him a six to one now. We're good. Um, <laughs> this is a horse that's got tactical speed, and you're putting Flavin Pratt aboard a tactical speed horse for the first time. I mean, come on. Like, what more do you want from that? If you remember Papa Cap from the Kentucky Derby Trail, he ran like a one turn horse. And by that, what I mean is he showed speed early. But then there was no kick. When, when it was time to press on the gas, off the turn, that second turn, he was just kind of empty. Grade two winner, going one turn. I really think this is one of those horses, Mike, that we're going to look back at it and say, bam, the Pat Day mile, that's when he got back to what he was best at, which is one turn. Um, I think the six to one is going to be great, and I think he's bred for the mud. Yeah, he's one of my next two ups here. Um, I, I think Perfect. that, that uh, Popcat makes a ton of sense. I think the one turn is what you're looking for. You go back to even like the Breeders' Cup race where he just kind of tried to chase home uh, Carniche but couldn't quite get there. He makes a lot of sense at this distance. I think Papa Cap's so definitely worth the use. I like the six to one price. I'm interested to see if we get the six to one price because I'm not sure if he's going to get more money or take more money on race day, but we'll have to kind of see how that goes. For me, the other next up was my prankster. I actually am going to use the 11 here. I think he makes a lot of sense in this spot as well. Um, I don't love the four to one price. I kind of agree on that. And I realized that my prankster went down to uh, to Jack Christopher, but that was my prankster's second race. We haven't seen Jack That's Christopher true. since then. We've got four additional data points from my prankster since then. Um, and we're getting second off the layoff, which I would like a lot more than first off the layoff. Old Homestead ran in that, that race. So did Surfer Dude, both pretty good horses. Um, the horse didn't really break as, as well as I would have liked in that spot. Had, uh, it was eight, breaking out of the eight post that day and just kind of got in a weird spot around that first turn. I think this race sets up much better for him. I think a mile is about as far as my prankster wants to go. But we have Flower Alley on the bottom side, into mischief on the top, so the distance really shouldn't be an issue. I love the fact we're getting Todd Pletcher, Luis Saez in a race where I think the jockeys are going to make a big difference, especially if you do have that that speed up front. So I'm going to willing to swallow the four to one price on my prankster because of how much I think Jack Richards is going to get bet in this spot. Uh, a long shot horse that you and I both used, and my buddy Curtis is uh, he's mentioned before, so I, I, I can't <laughs> find it in the chat, Curtis. I went looking. Uh, the number six, Teano Twist, uh, 10 to 1. If you scratch off that last effort, Mike, at Keeneland, everything about thank you, there it is. Everything about this horse tells you at, at minimum, this is a great exotics horse at 10 to 1. He loves to come running late, he doesn't seem to necessarily have that, that sharp turn of foot to come up there and nail you for the win, but. What if the pace collapses like we've been talking about? What if Jack Christopher doesn't handle and starts coming back to the horses here? You know as long as this horse isn't 12 wide like he was at Keeneland, he's going to be coming. And he's by Practical Joke. If you remember Practical Joke's turn of foot, it was something that was just a thing of beauty. And if you get that style of turn of foot coming in the stretch from this horse, I mean, he won a six and a half furlong stakes here last fall. He was second to epicenter in the Gunrunner stakes, so good horses have been beating him. I think at 10 to 1, we're getting a fantastic value here. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to piggyback on this because I think there's a couple other things. He's got a muddy form, right? I mean, you look at that last race. He broke out of the 12th post in that same race that we just discussed about my prankster, the Lafayette at, at, at Keeneland on a wet, fast track. He was eight wide into the lane, never had a prayer to make up the ground there. Almost looked like the jockey wrapped him up, draw a line through that one. The one two back, we were talking about epicenter. How, how many turns do practical joke horses want to go, Magic? One. How many turns was he going against epicenter? 
two. That makes that race even more impressive that he ran second behind Epicenter there. And then just from a handicapping perspective, when you have these buyers that are these these high 80 buyers for their entire two-year-old campaign, and then you come back first race back and you run a 91 buyer, that's such a logical setup to improve off it. And then you have a regression off it because of the 12 post, because of what happened to Keeneland. If you draw a line through that and say, we're going to improve off the 91, 10 to 1 looks like an absolute steal on Tejano Twist. So I think you kind of have to use... Oops, there goes my phone. I think you kind of have to use this horse here if you're going to play uh, multi-race bets, especially if you're going to spread. I considered having this one higher up, but man, I, I thought I, I think you kind of have to use this one from a multi-race perspective. And uh, I got. Go ahead. I say I have one other horse, so I'm going one more. Uh, I'm going six deep here. I think you stopped at five. I'm going to yep. use the nine horse. It's been mentioned a couple times in the tra chat here. Trafalgar as well. This is a horse I kind of liked on the Derby Trail. Um, kind of got off it after the the uh, Le comp. But this is another horse where I think this one-turn mile really sets up well. Broke his maiden here at Churchill, going one turn. Had Rosario that day. Was able to run an 81 buyer. We didn't see any progression at all into that three-year-old season. That's really surprising, especially for Al Stahl horses, who generally do see a pretty good progression from second to third. I'm wondering if it's because this horse wants one turn or not two. He wants to be one turn closer. If you go back to that Churchill race where he was able to, as a maiden, break his maiden, coming from the back of the pack, pass multiple horses to get the job done, and I'm talking about a race that I think can collapse, that's a great race to point back to and say, hey, we're getting back to what we want to do. And we're doing it at the track we've won at before with a race setup that is exactly how we set up last time. I'll take 20 to 1 on that horse here in a spread race for me. And kind of going with uh, with Charles' comment here, it's a good reference race for how the Derby plays out. Uh, he is exiting, uh, Trafalgar that is, is exiting the fairground circuit, which is either, the for me, the number one or number one A circuit from the whole Derby trail. So sure, he didn't beat uh, Epicenter in the two times that he faced him, but he was facing what I think were the better horses or some of the best horses from the Derby trail. Um, I consider Trafalgar, I just think this is still a little too much, but I agree with, I think the, uh, he being by Lord Nelson, he's got the sprint pedigree on the top, Dixie Union underneath says a little bit of stamina, so a mile seven furlongs should be right within this horse's wheelhouse. I'm not going to use him. I don't think that he's quite good enough to beat every horse that I'm using, but an interesting one to look forward to. By the way, the very first stable mup horse I ever had was Trafalgar. He was second to Classic Causeway, and I was so sure he was going to win, and I told everybody about him. That's why he was four to five when he broke his maiden next out. Oh, that's why. It was you. Huh? That's why. I, I do remember. he was we the did. only horse who closed in that race in his yeah. maiden debut, and I was you know, one of many that saw that. You did use him as your stable up. I do remember that. And I like, look, I, I, I think this horse is, it's just one of those where if you're spreading in these races, get a little creative with some of your plays. Don't just pick the next three favorites, things like that. Take some swings, go five or six deep, try and find some prices. And in this case, I mean, look, I, I think if you're like doppelganger, I guess you could use doppelganger at six to one, but there's a lot of different routes. I don't, I don't hate howling time at 30 to one. I mean, this is also a race where if you want a single later, I wouldn't hate hitting the all button here. Like there's a couple ways. Like if, if you single the Derby, you could hit the all button here, and my ticket would cost the exact same. Because going from two to one and going six to twelve is the exact same cost. If you shove and like hit the all button in one race, make it the Pat Day Mile. <laughs> we say that Jack Christopher will win at nine to five, but no, really, I think this is the race uh, where you have some funny duck. I actually have a, a I forgot we a fifth horse, and I'll do real quick. Um, and this thirty to one, and that's the two trademark uh, for Rafael Bayerano and and Vicky Oliver. Horses two for two at Churchill Downs. Both times are going eight and a half furlongs, so two turns and slightly farther, but. The horse did it setting a pressured early pace and having enough stamina to hold on when it really mattered. That matters because now we're cutting back to a one-turn mile. I assume this horse will probably be sent because the best races on this horse's form, forwardly placed, 
send this horse, try and go after Jack Christopher, force him to show his fitness, his stamina. Can he handle a one-turn mile after six, seven, eight months that he's been gone? If you think there's any question about that, you as trademark and Rafael Bayrano, you need to send the shit out of that horse. And if he pushes him, when it comes down to it at the top of the stretch, who's got the better stamina, who's in form, who's cutting back, and who's trying to stretch out? All of those things line up for Jack Christopher, bad. Trademark at 30 to 1, good. So at 30 to 1, again, funny duck situation. This horse, look out. Yeah, I, I, you, you hit the nail on the head. The price, like, and, and the fact that we have more stamina and all the, the negatives on the Jack Christopher train, like all of that makes sense to me as to why you'd use someone like tra- Trademark. And yes, Mike, I just did say a Roman horse was usable. At 30 to 1. 3-0 to 1. That is the key of why Roman. That is when you use Dale Romans. <laughs> All right, Mike, third leg of Saturday's All-Stakes All-Dirt Pick 5 at Churchill Downs. Race 8 is one of the favorite races for you and I of the entire racing calendar. This is the grade 1 Derby City Distaff Stakes. And the reason I say that is because we've got eight older fillies and mares sprinting seven furlongs. And what could be, uh, we could have probably the most exciting finish other than the Derby from the entire day come down in this race. There's a lot of great fillies in here. You could cox them up and call them home if you just want the two horses on the inside. You could do that, but I think you may not win the race. It's my top pick that's coming outside of that. Uh, first off, I've got to admit, selecting this race does make me a little sad. I think I've picked Bell's the one. I don't know, maybe eight straight races, seven straight. It's been a lot of races in a row that I've picked Bell's the one to win. And she has treated me wonderfully. Let's be very clear. Ever since, I think I caught her at 13 to 1 at Churchill in the winning colors. She's won multiple races for me. She's won Everybody four listening, of Everybody that listening, that's uh, take a shot, by the way. He brought up Bell's the one in the winning colors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> it's happened a couple times in this show. Um, <laughs> she's four for six with two seconds or last two. I'm not even including her on the ticket. That's how good I think this race is. I usually love Bell's the one. She's completely didn't make my ticket. My top pick is going to be the five horse obligatory. Uh, look, this horse is, again, getting the right pace set up in my mind. I think there's a ton of speed in here. I'm going to use one of the speed horses, but I'm going to pick two closers to go with it. The pace setup is good for Bell's the One, but I think Obligatory is a better version of her. Bell's the One is six. You've seen the top end of Bell's the One. When these mares get older, they fall off quickly. You're not going to see a lot of improvement. Obligatory is four. Obligatory has wins or has a win over Churchill going seven furlongs with the right pace setup. I think you get that pace set up again today. And we talked about when races set up the right way and when, when buyers set up the right way, I really gravitate toward those horses. Throughout the three-year-old campaign, you were seeing low 90s consistently from obligatory. First race off the layoff, first race as a four-year-old, bam, 95. It tells me this horse has a chance to progress big time again next out. Any progression off that 95 makes obligatory really tough. I'm going to put her on top here. And I didn't use her. <laughs> uh, I still can't get over all the trash you laid on your girl. Bell's the one, my God. I didn't lay any trash on her. Oh I gave her a God, bunch of compliments. So much trash. So I, much a trash. Bunch of comp- this is the toughest field she's faced in a long time. That is true. That is very true. This is this is an extremely tough field. Uh, listen, obligatory. My thing with her, you got a four year old, so older, curling daughter. That's a great thing. Uh, track could be muddy. That's a great thing. Um, I don't like the price on her at seven to two. I also don't like that she struggled twice at this distance in the past. The one time that she was successful, you brought up the eight bells. She was 16 to one. After that race, we all went, not obligatory is great. We went, those horses are shit. They all lost to obligatory when she was dead no, last, running what? like a donkey. The fairgrounds oaks that she had run in, uh, we thought that maybe she could win because we liked her maiden win and she was terrible in that. Granted, two turns, but still, like, this horse was a complete surprise in the eight bells, and now to me at seven to two, 
I don't want her against anything because, again, this is the by far the toughest field that this filly has faced, and she's a very short price. Well, you, well, you continue to slander obligatory for no real reason. Look, you're right. We were surprised <laughs> at 16 to 1. You know what we have since then? One, two, three, four, five, six additional data points, which now can back up why that 16 to 1 was probably incorrect in that spot. Uh, I also had her in that race as well at 16 to 1, just for the record. Um, so. Like, look, the acorn next out going a mile, which is probably a little further than she wants to go. Faces search results, runs second. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Faces Bella Sophia in the grade one test. Kind of runs a little, little, a bad race there, but doesn't break well at all. So I'm going to, I'm going to give her a pass for that. Faces Clarier going two turns next. That's not an easy spot. Not what she wants to do. The Ravens run at, 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 uh, at Keeneland is the one, one question mark. That's where she probably should have run better. Probably should have run better there. But then comes back. Favorite. Yeah, fine. Comes back and beats Matera, who I think is like one of the better horses we're going to see all weekend. So that's a, a heck of a win going a mile at Churchill. And then comes back and runs a career best buyer the first of the four-year-old season. Those six data points completely wipe out the one data point that you're bringing up. Yeah, but no, you you included another data point that wipes out. That Raven run was just a giant wet fire. No, I'm not going to use her. She could yeah. win. I'm not going to use her now for me. Um, my top pick, Mike. Even though you got off the bells the one train, one yeah. horse who I, you cannot jump off the train of is the two just one time. This is a filly who we Correct. have loved since she joined the Brad Cox barn uh, at the beginning of the year. Goes in the inside information stakes, and we're like, well, you know, she's a speed demon, blah, blah, blah. She has one from stalking, but she's probably going to have to be on the pace. And can she handle it first time facing all these great horses? And then in the post parade, she's a mess. And in the paddock, she's a mess. And in the gate, she's fractious. She breaks poorly, and we're going, well, this is what happens when you come up to the big leagues, and she still won. Yep. And then she goes to the grade one Madison. We're like, well, shit, she won that. We said on this show, she won that despite herself. She's got to win this one, right? You're damn right she did. Both wins for Brad Cox, seven furlongs, one time on fast, one time in the mud. So whatever you throw at her track-wise on Saturday, she's going to handle it. That race at Gulfstream, she beats Four Graces, who's the eight horse in here. She goes to Keeneland. She beats Bell's the One, Kamari, Lady Rocket, Center Isle, Oh, and Four Graces again. Five horses who are the seven that she has to face here. They're all in here. Even if she's not your top pick, I do not understand why you would not use just one time on your ticket. And I know you did, so I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying to anybody who's listening to this, why would you not use her? Yeah, I, I don't see how you can pass on her after that last race. I thought it was really impressive. Now, she, she beat Bell's the one by three quarters of a length. But if you go back and you watch the race, it was much more impressive than three quarters of a length. Um, I, I agree that this is the one concern. It's kind of the funeral. But the difference is we're actually getting a better price than we yeah. did the last two times. So I'm not as worried about the, the the wedding funeral angle here because the price is a little bit better, not even worse than what we saw last time. Uh, she is a slight favorite here. This is another race in the sequence. I don't think you're going to see a heavy favorite. If you have a big opinion here, I don't like. I I may try and single obligatory in a press ticket here because I think it really separates you. But I do like just the one as well. These are the two horses I currently have in that must use spot for the Samo Bomb. So it's to me, it's between the two and the five. I think the five is a top pick, but I, it's tough for me to leave off the two. Uh, so I agree with you with just one time. Another horse where it has that same setup where you had those those mid to high 90s as a as a two year old runs a very or three year old runs a very good race as a four year old to kick off the career. It's a logical improvement step here. So if either the five or the two improve, it's going to be tough for any of these older mayors to be able to run with these four year olds. And, and we're to a point in the season where these four year olds are going to be fully mature now. So you're going to see big time efforts from these horses second off the layoff. I did go three deep here. I did use the other Brad Cox horse. Look, if Lady Rocket runs back to that aqueduct effort two back, it's going to be tough for anyone to beat her. And when you see that, to me, it's just that's the one that I look at and I say, okay, that caused an issue. 
I also like, I don't think we're going to go as fast as we went in the Madison. I don't think we're going to see a 22, 44 and two and lady Rocket's going to go to the lead. And one thing that I'm still not sure about with Churchill, and this is something that can be a problem. Yesterday's speed was exceptional at Churchill. Today's speed has not been as good. Churchill has a tendency on big days to play toward inside speed. This is your inside speed. If she catches the right track, she could be a lady rocket and just take off and not no one can catch her down the lane. So I want to have if I'm going to play a speed horse here, I'm going to use the inside speed on lady rocket. I'm going to end up one, two, five in this spot and hopefully we can get through this leg. Yeah, we, we went I went one, two, six. So we agree on the Cox horses here. Um, it, you know, the fact that she lost the grade one Madison after setting the pace, I don't think it was the off track because she did win an off track uh, last year. But uh, it just five starts off the bench, man. And she's a speed horse and seven furlongs is a tricky distance. If that race is six, Mike, maybe she wins. But um, I, this horse was trending so far upward at the end of 2021 that it's like it, it was at the point when the aqueduct race happened to go for one. That we're like, if the Breeders' Cup had been just a couple of months earlier or, or if she had, if it was peaking a couple of months earlier, she could have gone to the Breeders' Cup where we had five horses like she could have easily been a contender in that spot so uh glad to see her here i used our old friend bells the one she's four for eight at churchill won this race in 2020 um uh, of those eight starts the four losses three times she was second at churchill she's a lot of fun i'm kind of hoping like lady rocket she just needed the race in the grade one madison she did show interest in just just one time who's my top pick in this race ended up catching her there so with a little bit more fitness a little bit of time she is six you know they knocked the rust off um, I'm going to use her. I understand if, if you're willing to pass on her here. I just think, Mike, you're making a mistake. That's fine. I, I mean, I'm, I'm using the winner and you don't have the winner. So it's, that's cool. no, no big deal there. Let's go through some of the chat here because I do think there's a bunch of interesting ones. Yeah, I, I was going to pull up Kevin's comment as well. Kamari is one that you got to respect in this spot. Uh, horse is very good on turf, very good on dirt. I'm just not sure that this is how she wins the race. I mean, I know two back at Gulfstream she was able to stalk and win, but that mm -hmm. was against much, 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 much worse. She was able to win the grade one Madison uh, when when Bells the One ran second. Uh, that was in 2021. But again, they didn't go quite as fast as I think they're going to go here. So for me, I, I think it's just going to be tough for Kamari to get the trip that, that she wants. It feels yes, like she, she peaked. Wants. Yeah, the one thing I'll say... If there's some moisture in the track, Kamari's by Munnings, and all of a sudden that could that could kind of pick her up. So uh, Kamari might be one of those where you want to watch the track and see how it's playing. And if it is playing as a muddy track, Kamari is probably a horse that you got to take a step forward. Um, I don't have notes on Lady Rocket Charles B for that specific race. Aqueduct can often be an inside speed rail speeding real rail speed favoring track as well. They've had golden rail days there. So I, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't have specific notes for that day at Aqueduct, but uh, if you're saying there's a bias, that definitely could be something you go into play. Um, and then Rob brings up kind of how it's been playing here. Uh, he's the inside water is holding a lot more, more, more water. Uh, they kind of switched up the track a little bit. And so moisture seems to be moving toward the inside. I've noticed today as well, the horses in the lead are going three and four wide down the lane. So they're clearly trying to stay away from that rail. So the rail is definitely bad down the stretch right now, based on the way the jockeys are playing it. It'll be interesting to see, you know, it, it, that speed is holding in that three path because that's how they're going to kind of adjust to that is you're going to see these jockeys come off the rail and kind of run down the middle of the track uh, in the stretch. What's nice about this race is that it is the eighth on the card. And by that point, um, a, a world-class jockey like an Ortiz, like a Pratt, like pretty much everybody that's going to be in this race, they're going to know by this point 
what the track is playing like. And also Churchill is a, Aaron says this a lot. Churchill as a track famously dries quickly. So if the rain is heavy in the morning, maybe by race eight, it starts to dry out and maybe that inside gets a little better, but trust that the jockeys, if you're, if you're betting a horse with a world-class jockey on it, trust that that jockey is going to understand by race eight, what to do um, with the horse. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Sias just did it in the eighth race. So Sias is already on it here and we're still two days away. So you got plenty of time for these jockeys to kind of learn their way through the track. But he went four wide on the 10 horse who was in the lead um, and the four horse top gunner ended up running that horse down from the six path. So you already are seeing these horses definitely trying to go wide. And I think the jockeys are already adjusting to it. My last note on uh, Lady Rocket, while that might have been uh, bias at Aqueduct, six wins in her career, six different tracks. Does not matter where she runs or what. The, there can't be the same bias at six different tracks uh, yeah. for Lady Rocket. Um, the buyer right, like, stands out. The buyer was 107 that day, and the highest yep. previous was 94. So I think that's that's the main reason. The other horse in here, Edgeway, I think we should at least mention. Oh, well, yeah. Actually, we should we should talk. Like this is a great race. We could talk about every single horse, to be honest. Sure. Edgeway's going to go to the lead. Edgeway's going to be a pace problem for Lady Rocket. It's one of the reasons I think there's a ton of speed in here. The horse that's interesting to me at a big-time price, if you want to get a little crazy, uh, I don't hate Center Isle at 15-1. to 1. I'm not going to use this horse on my ticket, but if you want to, again, if you're, you have a big opinion somewhere else, you can just draw a line through that last race for Center Isle. It was first off the layoff, first out as a five-year-old. Uh, the horse hopped at the start, had absolutely no chance, wants to be more forwardly placed, and found, found herself uh, seven of nine early. I, I mean – essentially size wrapped up center aisle and the fact that lobo decides to come right back into his stakes tell me tells me that there was no problem that the horse was fit everything was fine the break is what caused the bad effort it's a complete line through it and it really muddies the form because it's first off the layoff so you're not sure whether or not you can expect a big time step forward so i don't hate center aisle at 15 to 1 either uh, you know, at that price, I don't hate her. I, she wasn't for me because I think that uh, the horses that she faced even last year as a four-year-old, who she was beating, wasn't that solid. She beat Frank's Rockette by, the, by that point. Frank's Rockette was a shell of herself. You look to a, a year before that, Frank's Rockette dusted her twice. So um, she hasn't faced the solid horses yet, but you, all great points. And again, 15 to 1, uh, not going to talk you off. Edgeway for me. Mike, what, she's a California horse, and there's really, other than, you know, Gamine or, or Cece, who beat her, yeah, she was second in the Breeders' Cup Fillmore Sprint, but for, first of all, you know, that, not the greatest race. There were five horses. Gamine was third. You had California horses in at least the top three. I don't remember who was fourth. There's just she hasn't beaten anything that makes me say, yeah, come to California, like, or come to Kentucky, John Sadler, who we've always had these questions about shipping. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, it's funny how people forgot that after I uh, can't remember that one. Horse. Accelerate. Yeah, accelerates. Who won? He, he does I, it one time and everybody yeah. forgets. No, no, he, it was one time that he did it. People. The, the pace also doesn't set up for Edgeway. He wants to be closer to it, and there's just faster horses in here. Um, I, I recognize Rob's face here. So this is Rob from KY uh, over on over on Twitter right, too, Robbie. and so he he is incredibly intelligent when it comes to Kentucky. I love the fact that we got such such intelligent <laughs> only viewers. That, only yeah, that though. Only that. Well, nothing else. That and I believe it's. HVAC. HVAC systems. Yep. Also very good with HVAC systems. Um, <laughs> but I love the fact that we have this intelligent viewership so that they can let us know things like this. So the track's a little different. The elevated turf course has changed the dynamics. And there's water standing at the finish line for a good two hours after it rained yesterday. So a track that generally tries out quickly. Churchill traditionally has dried out very quickly. The rail specifically, the, as the water washes in, there's nowhere to go because that turf course is lifted up. So good information from Rob there. Appreciate it, man. So what we're saying is if you lose uh, if you if you lose a ticket sequence here because the inside was still terrible and it didn't drain properly like you wanted to, you can blame Churchill for installing yeah. the new turf track. That's that's or, what we're saying. Or if you lose a sequence because the rail is golden on Saturday, you can blame Rob. There you go. Well, yeah. Yeah. either way, don't blame us. We'll move on. Yeah. Penultimate leg. 
of Saturday's All Stakes All Dirt Pick 5 at Churchill Downs. Got to scroll down here to Race 10, the Grade 1 Churchill Downs Stakes. Can we come up with a better name than that? Why are we going to name it after track? It's way too confusing. But this is a great race, Mike. It's a 7-furlong sprint with 8 older males, including 2 just absolute superstars. Jackie's Warrior, probably the best sprinter overall in the country last year, possibly the world on dirt. Uh, and then you've got Aloha West, number 1. All he did was beat Jackie's Warrior in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Who comes out on top? Well, this race sets up a little better for Jackie's Warrior in that Breeders' Cup Sprint. A little sprint bit. Too. A little, little bit. bit. Just slightly. Uh, not going to be wildly hounded in between horses going 21 and change. Uh, that was a rough race for Jackie's Warrior. It's one of those where it's just like, look, draw a line through it. Everyone from the back came forward. Everyone from the forward went back. Uh, and just because of that, it's just get it out of here. So um, I think Jackie's Warrior is going to run huge here. I like Jackie's Warrior 5-2. to two. I'm not going to get too creative in this spot. I'm going to go too deep. But Jackie's Warrior is my top pick. I think this is a logical wire-to-wire horse. There's just – look – and if anyone wants to go with Jackie's Warrior, they will have to go so hard out of the gate and burn themselves up that I don't see any chance for them finishing. So this is one of the situations where he's going to be up top by length, length and a half. And when he gets cruising and comfortable, he is so dangerous in the lead. Now, he never got cruising and comfortable in the Breeders' Cup. I think he will be able to do that over this Churchill track. I was first want to applaud you. You had every gender pronoun correct that time. I'm yes. so proud of you, Mike. That's great. Oh, uh, because it's tough. You name a horse, Jackie's Warrior. We could want to say she. Yeah, I uh, mean, she makes it hard on me. <laughs> well done. Uh, Vicky says Jackie's Warrior to the moon. Uh, Mike, I was this close to singling Jackie's Warrior in this sequence. I, I think that uh, this horse, we talk about with in the next race, there's a horse that could either win by five or lose by 30. This horse wins by 20 or loses by being wrapped up. Like, there's no in between with this. And I think. It's the horse wins. I think, you know, a lot. If you can lock in five to two, I think do it. <laughs> no, you're not going to get anywhere close to five to two. This horse has such a pace advantage. Mike talked about it. In the Breeders' Cup sprint, he had special reserve on one side and Matera Sky on the other, and it was a three way suicide pace duel. Mike's brought this up before. It's a great thing. Uh, lone speed, love it. Two speed, that's pretty good. Three speed, chuck them all. That is, that's three is, is a crowd. It's too much. So love Jackie's Warrior here. We each went too deep, so we're trying to figure out if Jackie's Warrior doesn't fire, who's the horse to use? I went back and forth and almost used the one that you did, so I want you to go ahead and talk to us about Cezanne. Yeah, and look, this is a, a horse that's been been touted ever since uh, Cezanne ran for the first time. Ran well at Santa Anita, broke its maiden right out of the gate, four for seven career, lost by a neck last time to Folsom, who's a horse I know that, that you really like. And that was going a mile. I think it was probably a little bit more than Cezanne wants to go. Uh, if you look at the other losses, it was in the mile of 16th shared belief was a two-turn race, and then just an absolute no effort in the Palos Verdes, uh, a heavy favorite. But if you look at, like... It, what this horse wants to do, it feels like this horse wants to go seven furlongs. And if I have a concern about Jackie's warrior, it's that someone decides to challenge her and go in seven furlongs. She's going to get a little bit tired in that last furlong. Or, I'm sorry. He's going to get a little bit tired in that last furlong. I know he's two for three at the distance. I know he's got like, so the, the seven furlongs has not been an issue, but he has been caught or get almost got caught right at the wire at seven furlongs. And prevalence could try Re reinvestment risk could try. I think there are horses here that could try and push. And if I'm going to take someone from off the pace and I look at, okay, what trainer can, can kind of hold a Bob Baffert to the same form or possibly even move that horse up? We've seen what happened with Life is Good going into the Pletcher Barn. I trust that Sazine is going to come back as some version of himself. If he's able to do that and he's going to be tactical and someone decides to push Jackie's Warrior, I think he's the most likely one to run him down. 
Boy, I went back and forth, and you would think even with, with being by Curlin and out of Bernardini Mare that when we get a wet – if there's a wet track, when there's a wet track for this race, it's only going to improve the chances. And I, I wanted to chuck Cezanne immediately. I, I don't like this horse. This horse is a $3.65 million purchase that uh, hasn't quite lived up to that uh, billing. Not quite, not quite 1% earnings back of that purchase price yet. Uh, but we'd heard, you know, this was supposedly one of the greatest horses ever broken at the farm that broke American Pharaoh and a bunch of other superstars. Uh, uh, I didn't like who is he beaten. I, I looked through this and I'm like, yeah, that Oakland Park race was great. And, you know, for the older male division, it seemed to be okay. And Folsom's running in the Ali Sheba on Friday. So if you want to, you know, see how Cezanne might run, take a look at the Ali Sheba race. But other than that, he's beating a bunch of California horses, you know, four or five horse fields. That, that Kona Gold Stakes win, great. He beat three horses and the runner up was Brickyard Ride who's a complete speed demon Calbred. Like he hasn't beaten anything. I think that 106 is a ridiculously overrated uh figure other than I mean the time was quick for 114 going six and a half, but he hasn't replicated that since. So it's a do it's a boomer bust for him. I didn't end up using him, but I completely understand every reason to use and and by the way, he's with Todd Fletcher now. Todd Fletcher did okay when life is good came to him from the Baffert barn. I ended up going with the five reinvestment risk. Uh, Chad Brown realized, all right, we've got a one-turn horse here. The Breeders' Cup Juvenile was a bad, bad race for him, but we got horses third off the layoff, third time starting age four. You would think this is when he's going to have a peak performance, and he's exiting back-to-back career best buyers of 103 and 104. The only two horses better than that are the two that you're using, Jackie's Warrior and Cezanne. This horse runs second to Jackie's Warrior, pretty decent second. A really nice second to Speaker's Corner, considering Speaker's Corner was in hand in the Carter. But if you're running second to those horses a lot in grade one sprints, you've got to be a good horse to be able to do that consistently. So I think stocking and pouncing, that's his style. The Carter was a weird race for him because he broke from the rail and Ortiz kept, or sorry, Manny kept looking over, trying to figure out, is someone going to take the lead? Is someone going to take the lead? They hit the first furlong pole. And finally, Manny Franco said, okay, I'll go ahead and take the lead here. Speaker's Corner was outside of him, and Manny was just constantly keeping Speaker's Corner in his sights. Speaker's Corner isn't in this race. Jackie's Warrior could be just as good as Speaker's Corner. He could not. Reinvestment risk for me, I think, is the one that has the best chance to pick up the pieces if Jackie's Warrior isn't the same horse that we saw last year. Uh, the race two back is a BS buyer. That's one of my biggest issues re- with reinvestment risk. Milliken came back today and got got rocked at Churchill. That race, there's no way in hell he should have gotten over 100 buyer in that race. That was just a bad buyer there at Gulfstream. So that's one of those races to me where it's just like, nope, don't agree with it. <laughs> and I just don't love that the Carter as much as you do. Yes, Speaker's Corner, exceptional horse. Um, I, I thought that reinvestment look, risk looked tired. And I, I just, to me, I just don't want this horse coming back off it. They went 23-46. That's rather slow for the top-level sprinters. Um, and so it's not like that we were setting a, a scorching pace out there. And then on top of that, they're adding six pounds today, too. We're carrying going from 117 in that race to 123 today. So if you want to be a pace pressure, which is probably your best chance to Jackie's Warrior, and you're picking up seven pounds after going 23-46 and not being able to stay with a horse that's probably worse than Jackie's Warrior, I think it's pretty tough to find the race shape that gets reinvested risk into the winner's circle. Uh, let's go through here real quick, talk about a couple horses. Uh, we didn't, neither of us using the Breeders' Cup sprint champion, Aloha West, and he's returning from that layoff. We haven't seen him since November. This is a very interesting horse, Mike. He didn't even debut until age four last year. He has that magical season in 2021, but was it a flash in the pan? Uh, he's at a pace disadvantage. This is his first time off the bench, and he's going seven furlongs, which he's done well at before, but 
this seems like a combination where you take a shot against the champ. Yeah, I mean, this this just look, I, this horse is clearly better at six than seven. You mentioned he did well before. Well, one of those times he ran a, a $107,000 stakes race at Churchill going seven. He lost to Bango and Mucho. Uh, so there's that. I mean, I, to me, that that was a perfect storm of a Breeders' Cup race. And I'm happy to fade him off it and hope that people bet him because I, I just look at 10 to one. I'm more interested in this horse, but at seven to two, I think it's just wildly short against this group. There's no way that Jackie's warrior and Aloha West should be one tick apart uh, or Aloha West should be the same price as Sazine. Like to me, that's just ludicrous. So, or even reinvestment risk for that matter. I think the the price is just all wrong here on Aloha West. The setup could be good again. You could get that same type of, of speed. If someone like if two horses decide to try and collar Jackie's warrior, but Aloha West needed everything to break right and a miracle head bob to win. And because of that, that's why that line is sitting at seven to two. And I just, I don't bet horses off those types of races. I saw a few people bring up prevalence as well. Uh, six to one, the six horse, kind of interesting. You, This is another one that like reinvestment risk. We're getting back to one turn. This is where it probably is best. And a couple of nice back-to-back -back, uh, one turn efforts winning in the slop and on fast, but I don't know you, Mike, I didn't use because I think he's trip dependent and I think he needs to be on the lead and things to be a little slower. He's not faster than Jack. He's not nearly as fast as Jackie's warrior. I think he's just going to kind of spin his wheels here. This is another one I think needs to improve. And I'm not sure how you can draw a line to the improvement, right? I mean, like good effort at seven furlongs last time, uh, but, but beat long range Toddy and Obezos, right? Long range Toddy and Obezos are 20 to one in this spot. So uh, to me, that's, that's the knock there is, is how are you going to see this horse take a step forward? It probably, you know, needs a, a Five or six point buyer jump needs to improve a little bit, but like it's just it's hard to imagine that this is when we're going to improve when it's it's what fourth off the layoff, so there's not really a, a point there. And yeah, the fact that we had two 62 non winners that we had to get through to be able to get to this point don't make me love it either. Now, there is the big race from a, a, when it broke its maiden, and you kind of point to that and say, well, if we can improve off that, then yeah, you, you can make a case there. But uh, again, in this field, I think it's tough to try and take someone like prevalence, even with six to one. Um, uh, last one, and then we'll move on. The seven mind control. Uh, to me, this is a horse that loves Aqueduct, and he was third beaten. I mean, he wasn't even close to reinvestment risk in the Carter last out. So uh, I think this horse is over the hill. I think uh, as far as the grade one goes, same for you, Mike. I'm scared of him at seven furlongs, man. He's five for fifteen lifetime. So I think there's some some juice at seven furlongs. But yeah, that last race, it just kind of it had some question marks. Now mind control doesn't want to be in the lead. So that could be your excuse. And it's also second off the layoff. I personally would like mind control over reinvestment risk, even though reinvestment risk beat him last time. Um, but I, I think it's going to be tough for mind control to be better than Sazine from a closing perspective or try and go early with Jackie's Warrior. So I think it's just kind of a B version of the two horses I'm using. You better hope Bell's the one and reinvestment risk both have bad days or you're uh... – you're in, you're in for a rough Saturday. <laughs> I'm, just Look, man, hey. I'm here to have opinions. I'm going to have them. <laughs> <laughs> and they're usually right. Uh, we'll move on. But uh, as a Cezanne supporter, where do you want to see him sit pace-wise early to get a chance? See, here's the thing. I think that you're going to get something funky from reinvestment risk or from uh, or, or from uh, prevalence early. I, I think someone's going to try and press Jackie's Warrior. I think it's going to be a mistake, but I do think you're going to see one of those horses go early. And if you do see one of those horses go early, I think that means that you're going to see Sazine sit third place, maybe fourth place, too wide around the turn, and then be able to kind of wheel out and make a move around the, and get first run at the leaders. If no one presses, I think Sazine may logically sit in that second spot just to the outside of Jackie's Warrior length back, which I also think is a good spot. It really depends on what reinvestment risk wants to do, what prevalence wants to do, where they want to sit. At worst, she's going to be, or he's going to be fourth. Um, I, both of these are, are, to me, are the she horses anyway. Uh, at worst, he's going to be fourth, but I, I would expect you're going to see Cezanne between a length and a length and a half back in third. 
Because the name ends in Anne. You should have just picked Sir Alfred James. You should have singled Sir Alfred James. I don't think you would have had an issue with that one. You would that have had other issues, one. but but name pro, gender pronouns would not have been one of them. <laughs> Let's move on, Mike. Uh, the final leg of Saturday's All Stakes, All Dirt. Pick five at Churchill Downs, race 12. We've only been building towards this for the last six months. It's the grade one Kentucky Derby. $3 million on the line. Field of 23-year-olds going a mile and a quarter. Eternal glory on the line, as well as a lifetime ticket to boink as many mares as you would like to do. Zandon is your 3-1 to one favorite at post 10 for Chad Brown. Epicenter, 7-2. to two. We're both against Zandon here. Where are you going on top to win the 2022 Kentucky Derby? Sign me up for some Messier. Um, look, I, I feel like Messier is, is, is sitting on a monster effort here. There's a bunch of different reasons why I like Messier. I think race shape actually fits pretty well for Messier. When you look at this field, how it's going to break, there's two horses that are logically going to be the speed. It's the four summers tomorrow. It's the 17 classic causeway. Um, I don't fully trust the four is going to be able to get out of the gate as cleanly as everyone expects. These international horses have struggled with it. The four summers tomorrow has come out of sprint races uh, overseas. So you could see some sprint style speed for summers tomorrow, but classic causeway from the 17, like, are we sure? Like everyone's like, it's a lock. The horse is going to break out there. Yeah. He broken well. So like, but let's at least bring up the fact that someone last year didn't break so well out of the 15 post. And like, yes, Joel was our feet weren't in the irons, all that jazz. I'm not going to say it's a foregone conclusion that, you know, if you go out to the outside and you look who's around, uh, classic Causeway. You've got Cyberknife, who's right inside, who is going to be more forwardly placed. You got White Abari, who the ownership group said they're going to go out there. Simplification from the 13 has some speed. Classic Causeway might struggle clearing this field, and if that happens, it sets up for Messier to get a dream freaking trip and be able to sit right in second or even have the lead around the first turn. If that happens, Messier is wildly dangerous from the front. Let's say that doesn't happen. Let's say Classic Causeway breaks, makes the lead four summers tomorrow, goes out. Guess who's sitting right behind him? Messier. Guess who gets first run on two shit speeds? Messier. Guess what doesn't happen down the lane all that often? People passing the horse in front. It sets up well for Messier because of the gate draw and where the rest of the speed is. Epicenter to me is the other wild card coming out of that, that three post. Joel has to get that horse forwardly placed. He has to be on Summer is Tomorrow's tail if Summer's Tomorrow goes. And if Summer's Tomorrow doesn't go, he's got to be on Messier's tail. The problem is I don't think he beats Messier if he's on Messier's tail. And that's why I can't use someone like Epicenter. So I'm going to put Messier on top because of the draw and because of how the early pace, I think, is going to materialize in this race. Uh, for the third year in a row, you're thinking it is a John Velasquez piloted Bob Baff, uh, Tim Yachtin, George, it goes across the wire first. Very well could happen. It, and I'm not using Messier, but uh, if I went three deep, this would be the horse that I use for all the re you just don't know with him, but my concern with him and ultimately why I left him off Mike Messier in the past, when he gets that nice, easy lead, like the Robert B Lewis stakes, he looks great. Uh, his maiden win, uh, when he, he didn't take the lead early, but or right away, but he got it halfway down the backstretch wins going away. Uh, the Bob hope stakes, uh, didn't break the best. Plavin Pratt pulls him back wins going away. But then once we start going to turns, he gets challenged by Slowdown Andy. Gets passed. Yeah. Go to the San Anita Derby. Taba, a horse who's made one freaking start at one turn and is the lesser backed of the two Baffert horses, passes him like he was standing goddamn still on the stretch. I, uh, To me, Messier, just at that point, the San Anita Derby, that showed me that when he gets challenged by an actual real racehorse or someone named Slowdown Andy, he's going to get passed. 
Okay, I'll, I will. I hear your points. Uh, let me counter real quick. Of course. Chuck the Los Alamitos races. He doesn't like the track. Just throw them both out. It is a weird okay? track, yes. So throw them both out. And what did I just talk about earlier? When you run a certain numbers as a, a three-year-old and you see the four-year-old first start, well, guess what? Messier did that two to three. The most logical progression horse in this whole field is Messier, who is, by the way, coming out as the second highest buyer and one of the highest time forms in the field. That's the most logical horse to improve in the entire field. So if I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, look, if I'm the ownership group, I know Messier is making the Derby. There's no way we're losing to Forbidden Kingdom. I'm not sending that horse. I'm not cranking that horse 100%. I don't need to win the San Diego Derby to get there. I care about winning the Kentucky Derby. And when we switch ownership groups, that became clear. We cared about winning the Kentucky Derby. I don't think Messier was fully cranked for the San Diego Derby. I think that's why Taba got by so easily. I think Taba was. Because you know what? The only person who wanted him in that race was the owner. That's very true. And so if it's just the owner, there's not this whole like, oh, mental planning of where this No, there was no plan for Taba to go to the Kentucky Derby. They wanted to skip the San Diego Derby. And since they wanted to skip it, I think you had a fully cranked Taba versus an 80% cranked Messier. Messier felt like he had no chance. The ownership group felt like they had no chance of getting in here. I, I just, I think Messier is the better horse. I think Messier right now, Taba may be better in five starts, but I think Messier is the better horse right now. I, I love the eight to one price. I think he's mm -hmm. wildly dangerous. Aaron brought this up. The San Diego Derby would win 11 of the last 18 Kentucky Derbies. Right. So th that race was massive. So for everyone who's like, well, there's only six horses, blah, blah, blah. But that race was so much better than anything that has been run so far from a prep perspective. Epicenter, zero of the last 18. Uh, uh, Zandon, one of the last 18 from a time form perspective. So the fact that that effort with a horse that can improve to me is just I, I can't pass up eight to one. I, I, I agree that you're probably going to get between seven to one, eight to one on race day on both Taba and Messier. To me, Messier is the horse you got to go with. Great counter. I will say what is beautiful about Messier in this situation and has been for the last few months is that it's he's polarizing just in terms of what you saw there because at one point, Mike, I was on that same side of the fence. I was like, well, look, it was his first race off the break. It, you know, Velasca saw Tava go by. I was like, all right, well, I know I've got the second place. Um, what happened when he was on Medina Spirit in the Breeders' Cup Classic and Nick's go passes him? Velasquez looks around and goes, all right, boys, we're going for a second. Like, did he actually do that? I don't know. We think he did, but there's no, there's no shame in getting second uh in a race like that but i don't i man i just couldn't get over the fact that, that Taba went past him and the fact that Taba's in this race but if you like messier eight to one uh, come on why are we getting to, like uh, messier is almost worth a play even if i don't play him in, in this race uh, in the sequence i might play him to win if he holds anywhere close to eight to one because kind of like the uh was a trademark earlier in the card that i was talking about when i got 30 to one that's just too much value. Like you have to play the money a little bit because the value is there, right? Yep. Yeah, and that's that's part of this. I mean, like, look, I I I like Mo Donegal as a horse. I like Epicenter as a horse. I like Zandon as a horse. Mo Donegal at the one post for me is a complete chalk, especially with what I think the pace is going to be. Epicenter, I don't think is as good as these horses. I think he's a very good horse, but I can't swallow seven to two. Zandon, I think, is a very talented horse. No horse in this field should be three to one. It's, so it, for me, that pushes me away from horses like that. Um, thank you, Chris. It's a good discussion on Messier and uh, yeah, lots of back and forth. We could literally just do a whole show about Messier with the, with the back and forth on that one. Um, I did use Epicenter. I've been Epicenter is my topic. It's been my topic for months. If you've watched any of these shows, I don't need to keep elaborating. He's got tactical speed. He has improving form. He himself has done nothing wrong. He's beaten everybody that you've thrown at him other than the time Joel Rosario kind of stopped riding real late in the Lecomte. Um, solid connection, solid breeding, whatever the track setup, uh, muddy, 
fast should be. He should be able to handle it. The problem, really, Mike, the biggest problem for me, he's not named Tava, and that's the other horse that I use, the other horse that you use. That's the 12 horse. 12 to 1 seems like it might be a, a, a pipe dream for us here. We can talk about what odds we actually will get on him here, but an absolute freak show potential. Can win by 5, lose by 30. Mike Smith seems extremely confident. This feels very Justify-esque uh, with the way that he's coming into this race. He's caught Mike Smith, so I'm using him because if Table wins the Kentucky Derby, I want to make sure that I cash in on this sequence. Yeah, Tave is my other horse I'm using. He's, he's, I'm, I'm probably going to have Messier as a solo must-use here because I will have some single tickets through Messier, but Tava would be the second horse that I would use and is the only other horse I'm going to use in this pick five sequence. Uh, I think these are the two standouts in this field. I think the San Diego Derby was by far the best prep race. I think they have the running styles that can fit it. I don't think Tava needs to be as close as we saw him. I think he can come from off the pace. I think he has a ton of talent. Um, I, I just, for my for my money, I'm going too deep here. I'm just going to play the six Messier and the 12 Teba. Uh, real quick, Jalen. Yeah, I, I hear the gates are narrower. Yes, Messier is a bigger horse. If he misses the break, he loses. Same with every other horse in this race. Yeah. Like, that's the problem. Like, right. with, a, with a race of 20 horses, if any of them miss the gate or break, they lose. I mean, I think game winner should have won the Derby or was the best horse in that Derby. He missed the break. And that was game over, right? So I, it's one of those situations where you're, there is risk in any type, any time you play in a horse with, a race with 20 horses. If any of them miss the break, there's no shot that he's going to be able to do it. Hang on now. He says that what, what makes him a standout is 15-length win against turf-claiming horses. How dare you? Cabo Spirit is a turf stakes winner. Thank you very much. Uh, and, yes, Messier beat him like he was a turf stakes horse, beat him by the freaking stretch. Um, well, we had, also, sorry, when, you're, when you're looking at these races, you can't just look at who they beat. You also have to look at how they ran, how fast they ran, their numbers compared to everyone else in the field. And, and if you just take a raw numbers perspective, and I'm talking time form, I'm talking buyer, I'm talking brisnet. The best two horses in this field are, are Taba and Messier, period. Yep. So you can throw the field size at me and say, that's a problem. And I, I understand that. And you're right. They haven't faced 20 horse fields. No one has. No one has. But they, they, they haven't faced a 20 horse field and they haven't even faced a 10 horse field. I get that perspective. But literally every metric that you look at has those two horses as the most talented horses based off of the Santa Anita Derby. And I don't even think Messier is fully cranked for that. So that's, I mean, to me, at some point, you just got to say, okay. I'm 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 standing my ground on these numbers that I respect and that I've used for years. And when I see this type of, of overlay, I gotta go to those overlays. I get the Zanin thing. I think Zanin is the most dangerous horse to my two. I think Zanin is going to sit closer to the play, pace with Slavian Pratt. So I, I totally understand the Zanin perspective. I can't swallow the three to one price, and I don't think he's gonna float up to five or six to one, which is what I think he should be. Mm -hmm. And I would rather spread in other races where my opinion isn't as strong like the Pat Day Mile, than somewhere where I believe that these are the two best horses. And, and obviously everyone's trip dependent here, but I think they both have a very good chance of working out a good trip. They're both quick out of the gate. And we've consistently seen California horses more forwardly placed than any other state, specifically when they're Bob Baffert horses. And I realize they're not Bob Baffert horses, but let's be honest, they're Bob Baffert they're horses. Bob Baffert. So uh, to me, you, you have a lot of different edges or reasons why I believe I can get a much better trip out of these two than other horses. Uh, Vicky brings up a great comment here. John White sold me on Taba and Messier this morning. If you haven't watched it yet, you probably haven't. It's, it's a little over two hours long, but I promise it's worth your time. The annual John White Kentucky Derby interview is up at racingdudes.com and youtube.com slash racing dudes. If you don't know, John White is this legendary handicapper better. He's been in the game longer than, than most people have ever been following it. And he knows more than we've ever get a chance to uh, forget. So, um, Go listen to that. John White's got great information. And he explains why he wasn't a Taba Messier big supporter until 
recently. So make sure you go check that out. Great information. Mike, I think really it's down to three horses. I think it's Epicenter. I think it's Taba. I think it's Messier. If any horse outside of that wins, it would be a surprise. But on that note, let's maybe talk about a long shot that maybe doesn't win, but could definitely ruin your ticket for exotics tickets if you didn't use. You have a horse in mind? Yeah, I mean, uh, of the horses that will actually go off over 10 to 1, because Taba will not, uh, of the horses that will actually go off over 10 to 1, I think there's two clear standouts. Look, White Abario has been getting no love. It's floated up to 15 to 1, 16 to 1 in some offshore markets. Coming off a Florida Derby win where he went four wide around the first turn, didn't have a great position, went three wide around the second turn, was still able to run home and get the job done. Yes, Charge It was all over the place. I get it that Charge It was green. But White Abario did a lot of work in that race. Track has had him going 109 for six furlongs in that race, and he still was able to get home going a mile and an eighth. I like I liked White Abario. I think he could take a logical step forward. He looked great working out in Florida. He looked very good over the track again today. So White Abario is another one that I think has tactical speed, but also has shown the ability to pass multiple horses. He came from fifth in the Florida Derby, four wide in the first turn. So I think White Abario makes a ton of sense. And then I'm going to the five smile happy. who's 20 to one. Uh, look, I have slandered Kenny McPeak and Corey Landry on this show. And I said, I can't wait to bet against them. If they're the favorite in the Derby, you know what? They're not the favorite in the Derby. They're 20 to one on the board. And that race, we like, go back to the trip. No pros video that we did or the trip. Note video that we did uh, on our, uh, on, on the YouTube page. It was specifically about smile happy and some great points were made. Look, the horse was three wide at Keeneland. The horse finished well. Zanin just finished better. But Zanin also wasn't close to the pace. Zanin also ran inside the whole time. Smile Happy was five wide on the first turn and four wide on the second turn. 20 to one is way too big. And if you're talking about a horse that could hunt the rail and kind of get the trip, if we get lucky and squeeze through there, I think Smile Happy is one that could go on the rail, then fly to the outside and pick up the pieces, maybe come up for third or fourth. So um, to me, Smile Happy and White Abario are the two longer shots that I think make a ton of sense running up into the try of the Super. You're an asshole. I said give me one. You gave me two, and your second was mine. I'm just kidding. But I, all great points on Smile Happy. Thank you for mentioning the trip notes video with Justin. Um, uh, I will piggyback off of that, and, and I, something I mentioned in the video with Justin is that Corey Landry is riding Smile Happy. Corey Landry got second in 2017 riding looking at Lee, who was a dead closer. Um, he saved a ton of ground. He, I think he had drawn the rail that year, and a golden rail opened in the stretch, and he just came flying. I think a very. I don't think he goes as far back as looking at Lee, but I think you have a ground-saving inside trip because you're breaking from post five. I think Messier outbreaks him, and if you look at the other horses inside, uh, Summers tomorrow we have no idea what's going to happen. Mo Donegal and Happy Jack probably will be behind him, so a good ground-saving trip in the first third of the runners there. Uh, this horse could definitely come running. I've did a deep dive, Mike, on his breeding because I've seen a lot of people say they don't think he can go to mile and a quarter, and I get it. His sire, Run Happy, was a champion sprinter. But run happy as a sire, 20% dirt route winners, 32 for 155. Run happy's dam was two for five dirt routing. Run happy sire, super saver, uh, 16% dirt route sire. Oh, by the way, he also won the Kentucky Derby, and he's the last horse to win the Derby and the Kentucky Jockey Club. Uh, Smile Happy won the Kentucky Jockey Club last year. His dam sire, Pleasant Tap, and the, the dam side is where a lot of your stamina influence can come from. Damsire was Pleasant Tap. He won the Jockey Club Gold Cup. He won the Suburban. Those were both mile and a quarter. He was second to AP Indian, the Breeders' Cup Classic at a mile and a quarter. My point is, if don't discount Smile Happy because Run Happy is a sire because you think the distance is an issue. Pedigree says, top to bottom, this horse should definitely be able to handle mile and a quarter. It's just, is he good enough and does he get the trip?
Yeah, I think you nailed it. I don't have any distance concerns with Mile Happy. One that, that I do have distance concerns that's being brought up in the chat is simplification. Um, I, I feel like if you go back and you watch those Florida efforts, uh, look, the, the, the fountain of youth where White Abario wins and, and Mo Donegal's absolutely charging down simplification. Simplification was not was spinning his wheels at that point. And I think that was a mile and a 16th. And we stretch out to a mile and a quarter in the Florida Derby and simplification was absolutely spinning his wheels there too. So um, to me, I think that ex that uh, extra distance, or I'm sorry, it was a mile and eighth, going a mile and a quarter. So that extra furlong, I think is really going to be a problem for simplification. Um, yes, he was faster early, totally get that. But I, I feel like the mile and a quarter is just a little bit too far for him. Uh, listen, this has been uh, some great chat, and as, as Charles says, great discussion. Only be solved on Kentucky Derby Day. But uh, listen, if you want more thoughts on the Kentucky Derby uh, for the purpose of the Magic Mike Show, we've got to cut it short. But we have profiles, in-depth profiles at RacingDudes.com and YouTube.com slash RacingDudes for all 20 horses in the gate. So go check that out. You'll get in-depth thoughts, coverage of the replays. What do we think these horses will be able to do? You can find all of that over there. But for right now, Mike and I, we agree. Tava is a horse you got to watch. And then if not Tava, either the three epicenter or the six Messier in the Kentucky Derby. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to cover the all-stakes, all-dirt pick five at Churchill Downs. It's a fun sequence. It's 50 cents, and it is a 15% takeout. When Twin Spire says, hey, here's a 15% takeout play, you should do it because it doesn't come around that often, and you got to show them that that's what you want to see. So uh, really appreciate you joining us. Please support it, uh, the, the sequence and everything. We've got our tickets down below. We'll give them out one last time. I will start off, Mike. I'm going to go 2711 with 12356 with 126 with 35 with 312. That is $90. Please go ahead with yours. I'm going to play a 50 cent pick five. I'm going to go 247 with 13691112 12 with 125 with 38 with 612. That'll cost you $108 for 50 cents. Um, if you are not sick of me yet, make sure you come back and check me out. I'll be on You Better, You Bet uh, over at 540. I'm going to give out my Derby Superfecta there, so make sure you check that out. We have live shows on the Racing Dudes YouTube page on Thursday night, previewing Friday's card on Friday night, recapping Friday's card, previewing Saturday's card. Uh, so you get much more chance to talk through us. We'll talk about horses we like underneath on both of these days. Make sure you check out the guide that's available on the site. Sama Bombs for tomorrow will be up shortly, and that'll be available Friday and Saturday. That'll be available the day before they come out. I suggest if you're going to go with them, buy them the morning of just to make sure you get the right days. And there'll be there'll be notes in the comments to see if they're updated. I'm going to update everything when changes come out so you can see the scratches and changes uh, and, and condition. Because obviously, if it's if it's raining, that may change uh, a couple of the picks. Uh, I also added, if you are curious, Mike and I did have agreement in, in all five races. So a press ticket for us for this sequence is 2-7 with 136 with 1-2, with the 3, with Taba in the last there. Uh, listen, we've appreciated everybody who's joined us for this journey. As Mike said, plenty more action um, coming from the Racing Dudes over at YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes. I'm going to pull that up real quick here uh, to show off just how much we've got going on. Do you mind pulling down the overlay while I do that? Yeah, no problem. Ability? Yeah, I got, I got skills. You got skills. Boom, there we go. Teamwork, love it. Uh, look at this. Look at all this beautiful Kentucky Derby madness. What Kentucky Derby, why your Kentucky Derby horse will lose. Some post stats and trends. Uh, John White with the famous interview. I, I went back and watched it. The part everybody was talking about where he exits and then comes back towards the end. It really is as funny as everybody was making it sound. <laughs> um, we had our final morning daily show this morning. You can check out the, the action there. And, oh, by the way, last night, uh, returning from retirement, Saratoga Slim was with this guy, Mike Samich, talking about the pace for the Kentucky Derby. Mike, how fun was that episode? 
It was a blast, man. It was uh, it was a blast from the past too. I used to I worked in sales and I, I worked with engineers all the time who made PowerPoints. So it was a lot of fun to kind of uh, real slim in at the right points and kind of understand how to, to properly translate some of those comments. Uh, it makes me feel like uh, I'm very happy I never had to edit that because I can't even imagine how to take that in word form to put it into to a legible thing. Could have how long that would have taken you? Uh, yeah, it's. I was just very happy that everything is on video and everything's on YouTube and it's all going well. And that's all I'll say with that. But it's very happy to see. Uh, very happy to see so many of you over 200 at one point watching. Before you go, just do us a real quick favor. Give us a like, a thumbs up. Uh, that's the bare minimum you can do. It's, it's so easy to take you two seconds and it does a world of good for us in the YouTube algorithm. If you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, we'll still have plenty more content coming out, like Mike said, uh, so you don't want to miss that and hit the notification bell so that you get alerted every time we've got something going live. Don't forget, Inside Track to the Kentucky Derby Wagering Guide is available at racingdudes.com. It should be available by Wednesday evening, so go download that or purchase if you haven't yet. Mr. Samich, I'm going to see you or talk to you again before the Derby, but I want to wish you safe travel. It's been a lot of fun on this journey, and we're, we're just a few days away from the big day, buddy. Fingers crossed we're right, right? Let's just let's just run it back, just like last year. Let's hit the super, just let's like have the winner, year. let's have the try, let's have the exacta. Let's just hit it all again, baby. <laughs> uh, listen, we got a good price on Medina Spirit, and we couldn't believe it. We get the same thing again here. Uh, final note from Rich there. Thank you so much for joining us. Until tomorrow night for the Thursday night show, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck, everybody. See you then. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first.